I am seeing that us overachievers, we actually need soft, grounded. We're going to go do the thing no matter what. We don't yeah. need an ass kicking. That's the whole that's the whole problem. We had our ass kicked. Stop that crying bullshit. Right. Suck it up. Get it done. That's what we do. And and we need that space. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at KarenGoldfingerBaker.com. My guest today in the Trauma Hiders Club is Allison Crow. To me, Allison is all the things real, honest, creative, and bigger than big Texas love. Listen in as we talk about letting go, unburdening, healing, and the dark side of kicking ass, and so much more. Settle in for this joyride. You're in the Trauma Hiders Club. Allison, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, I'm super honored to be here. And I think trauma is a really, really important topic, especially among our peers and, you know, in the coaching world. Yeah, absolutely. It's everywhere, right? Right. But we didn't know it, like, right? Like for so long, we didn't know it. And I, there was a lot of things in the, I've been coaching for 17 years, mm -hmm. well, 15 years and 17 years self-employed and had a coach for 17 years. And it's like, why don't some things work? Mm. Right. And so, yeah. yeah, why don't things work? And now I'm going, oh, that's why. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So here you are on the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. What do you want to hide the most right now? What I, oh, that's such a good question. What I want to hide the most, I think, is, you know, as I do this work, I become more passionate about bringing it into my work with clients. Mm. And I'm, there's a part of me, so I do a lot of internal family systems as a client and as a coach, but there's a part of me that is really scared to step away from the, let me help you grow your business, mm. because that's how I started out. And it, I, it's like, what do they call that? Your zone of genius and yes. your zone of excellence. And my yeah. zone of genius is more intuitive and deep mm. and sensory and, and emotional and holding space, but my, you know, my zone of excellence is helping people grow their business and make money. And mm -hmm. I feel really called to let go of that, mm. but I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. So 
Is that the part you want to hide? Um, that's a good question. I want to soothe her. Mm. I've always been kind of a weirdo in the sense that I don't really have a filter. And so a lot of times I'll process my stuff after I've processed it very quickly. Mm. Right. Like they say, as a coach, don't process it with your clients, but I'll process it. And then the next day I'll share it. And I have been known to have a mental breakdown, like episode 16, 17, to 18, maybe of my podcast mm. midlife crisis. And so I'm trying to think what I hide. Yeah, it's not yeah. important that you share what you hide. It, in this moment, what I'm hearing you say is there is there's a transition that you're feeling in your world. Mm-hmm. And uh, perhaps the Heidi part is, <laughs> Heidi, so to speak, the hiding part of that is I feel called to leave this thing that has been a huge part of me. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like hiding from the, well, and this is, I'm so Enneagram 7, which is such a part of my story, is I'm, what I really want to hide from is the discomfort. That's, I don't, I don't want to hide from people out there. That's my calling to share authentically, but I want to hide from the pain in myself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, i I totally feel that. By the way, I'm an Enneagram number eight, so I'm going to call you out on your shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. I think it's good. I need that. Right, right. All these seven fucking butterfly people. (laughs) I'm kind of snotty because I'm like, I've been doing this so long. It takes really good skill to call me out on my shit. (laughs) Bring it. You people may have thought you're coming to Trauma Hiders Club, but this just became Fight Club. So bring it, <laughs> Allison Crow. <laughs> need to kick someone's ass on your your podcast or your with your clients. I'm happy to be hardcore coach. Yeah, I think we're aligned there. <laughs> so why trauma and why now? For the first seven years of my you know, I was in the real estate world. I was a real estate sales coach, positivity, mindset, 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 do the task, do the task, do the task, positivity, positivity. About seven years ago, I had a meme that I shared. I wrote about this yesterday that like P Diddy and LL Cool Day shared my meme that was like positivity, be positive, positive energy attracts positive energy. Mm. And then yesterday I kind of denounced that. <laughs> What are you saying that LL Cool J and P. Diddy shared your meme? Yes. What? I shared my art. I know. And then you know what happened, Karen? So I'm seeing this. I'm in a casino with my husband and I'm seeing this and I'm like, oh my God, LL Cool J and P. Diddy shared my meme. And then my husband won $17,000 and totally trumped my moment. <laughs> I mean, if that isn't fucking trauma right there, bitches. Right, right. Oh man, yeah. that that's super cool. And of course that happened. Yeah. Well, and, it, and here's the other thing. It didn't do anything for me. Well, it was just a, it was just a like glory stroke. Right, right, right. But, but uh, what did it do for you? Forget about what did it do for your fame? What did, it, what was that feeling? Oh, it, it, well, they didn't credit me. So my name was on the artwork, but it was not like they tagged me, but uh-huh. it did. It was like, oh, something I said is important. Mm. Right. And that's one of my big things is, is being seen and actually it's not being seen. It's, it's the quote, not being invisible, Mm. right? Like I wanted to be seen yeah, instead of overlooked. 
And I uh, started painting for fun. And I called this mentor that I had seen online and she does painting. I thought it was just painting. And I had been doing a lot of regular coachy, 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 coachy. And I just called her and said, Hey, I want to do this certification program. It's a year long, but I don't really care about the certification. I already have a business, but I do want to come paint with the old ladies in the woods. <laughs> I really wanted to be around older women. And she was an older woman and I just had a craving. So there was obviously something in that. And next thing you know, I'm feeling things. Mm. I didn't realize, you know, I struggle with depression, like clinical depression. I was diagnosed at 22. My mm. dad had it. My family members had it. It's just something I've always lived with. And I didn't realize, I had no clue that I wasn't actually feeling that I was depressing feelings down. And mm. still, until I started painting mm. with this woman and, and got trained in that modality and that was just the beginning of like, oh, I don't depress these things anymore. And at 45 or whatever I was, began to learn how to feel. And then fast forward to even this year, I just knew last year I was like, well, I, if somebody didn't experience the effects of un treated or loved on trauma mm -hmm. over the last five years. So between the election and COVID right. that br brought up so much stuff, there's mm -hmm. a, a litany of it. But at the beginning of the year, at the end of last year, I was like, I really want to work on self-trust. And I had worked on it myself, but I, I knew I needed some help. And so I reached out to a colleague of mine who's a coach and a licensed therapist. And she sent me a book by Richard Swartz on internal family systems. And all of a sudden it was like somebody pulled back the curtain and everything made sense to the logical part, which runs my life. Hmm. But having the logical part of my being understand why I was super emotionally sensitive or why in a business context, I would turn into a three-year-old girl. Hmm. Like I know I shouldn't behave that way, but it would just come up. And so through working with her and through reading and through studying, it's happened really fast, but just seeing all the pieces, it's like all the things that didn't work for myself, for my clients flash before my eyes mm. because we were treating the symptom, not the root. Right, right. Can you tell us, perhaps our listeners don't know what Internal Family Systems is or is about? Internal Family Systems is... A modality science backed by uh, Richard Swartz kind of discovered it with his clients and he was a family system. So family as in all the people in a family, right? They're like an institution. And he realized in his clients that clients had a multiplicity inside. So not like dissociative disorder, but that most of his clients would naturally use language and say a part of me, this, and a part of me, mm. that, and recognize the polarities. And so over the past 40 years, he studied and developed this work. And so it's this modality that a lot of therapists get trained in and now coaches and business people, and, and it just makes sense. And so the concept is that you have, I'm trying to keep this concise, you have protectors and exiles, and then you have self. And self, capital S-E-L-F, is like what I've always called sacred self. Like it's, mm. it's still my human, but it's also my most wise part, mm. loving, compassionate, caring. 
And what's interesting is I had also hired my coach. I, like I wrote down three things I want to get out of this self-leadership, self-trust. And I can't remember the third one and they call it self-leadership. And so we have all these parts, like if you think of a business organization, but why was the three-year-old and me being the CEO mm. when I really need her to do her, her role? Yeah. And so they're protecting, you know, these traumatized parts. And so there's all these processes and ways of being with people and with ourselves and just acknowledgement. And I probably didn't do it justice in describing it, but a few, I don't know, back when I was doing that painting in 2014, I was reading a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh. Mm -hmm. And there's a phrase, and I can't find this phrase in the book. It's almost like it just came through on the paper because I mm -hmm. have looked for it in... Um, Taming the tiger within, because I used to be a very, I mean, very nice, happy, but when you hit a button, I got volatile. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading this book about anger and the phrase I remember is there, their anger. I see you. I won't leave you. I'm here for you. And it just melted anything in my body. And so I, I totally stole it and I taught it to my clients. Mm -hmm. They're their blanks. So they're their fear. They're their, anything that comes up instead of saying, fuck your fears. It was right. like, Oh, high comparison. I see you. Yeah. I'm here for you. I won't leave you. And now through IFS, what's different about IFS for me is I take it one step further. What do you want me to know? Mm. Instead of me coaching my fear, I listen to it. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> Magnificent. I mean, that was the best thing my coach therapist said to me. She's like, yeah. it was like session number two, because we as coaches tend to do that. We like, right, right. We coach ourselves all day long. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, no, don't, don't coach these parts. Like that's yeah. a, that's a part of me. She's awesome. But my, my little parts and my hurt parts and my scared parts are all, but that's the other thing. All parts are benevolent and mm -hmm. all parts are welcome in IFS. And so they don't need my intellect. They need my compassion and my heart. And that is below my neck and embodied. And so I realized I was running around. I mean, how do you stop trauma? You get all in your head so that you don't feel your body. And life is different now because I let it go down into my body mm. and I am practicing connecting just like I would if you and I were sitting on a bench or actually the, the image yesterday came up. I was talking with my book coach of Piglet and Pooh mm -hmm. and there's all these sweet pictures of them just being together, yeah. sitting on a bench or, and so I just <laughs> Piglet and Pooh just sit together sometimes. Really and sweet. That, starts to heal some of the burdens. Mm, really nice. That's yeah. Beautiful. Tell me one thing when you were talking about internal family systems, when I think about feedback, for example, um, when I receive feedback, a couple of things happen to me. One right away, like I feel anywhere from butterflies to rage. When somebody says to me, I want to give you some feedback, it can be anything from butterflies to rage. It's rarely mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I become, let's say a seven-year-old who's in trouble. Right. And I hear my father's voice. Mm -hmm. Internal family is not actual your 
family of origin structure. It's it's the family that you've created within. Yes. And okay. so let me see. I, I don't have any of my notes. And I used to have a little note card that had a real succinct thing about what internal family systems is. Because some yeah. people get freaked out by the fact that it's multiplicity. And, but for me, it was just, I mean, I'm, for coaching, like for coaching and living, like, of course, I mean, I've been teaching both and and woman mm -hmm. of range, right? Right. Like I am both completely confident and insecure. Yeah. Well, those are parts, right? Right. And so, yes, it is the internal family. And I, I am not trained as a therapist, so I don't really know anything about family systems therapy, but apparently there's this correlation in how, you know, you effectively work with families or organizations, et cetera. And so it's not, yes, it's not your father. However, mm -hmm. These parts, when the intense emotional experience happens as a child, those protective parts are activated mm -hmm. and not as something wrong with you, but yeah. as something to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. And yet when you start to dialogue and get really curious from self about these parts, tell me how old you think I am. Mm. Oh, I think you're six. Oh, I think you're three, you know, because they're, it's like, they're stuck at that age that it happened. Right. Instead of realizing actually I'm 49, mm -hmm. look, I'm out of debt. Mm -hmm. um, I'm here. I'm partnered with somebody who is here. We have in, you share kind of about your life. And I remember being trained in some of that in the early you know, like future self and inner child work, but this is the freaking matrix inside of our minds. Mm -hmm. And it's both overwhelming at times and beautiful. Like yesterday morning, I was listening to somatic internal family systems and I was just like, oh, getting it, getting it. And then part of me was like, there's just so many parts. <laughs> But so then I sit down at my desk and I, you know, I have these conversations with myself and I'm like, hi, sweetie, I see you. I'm mm. here for you. I know there's a lot of parts and I just want you to know I'm here with you in this journey. And she's yeah. like, okay, thanks. <laughs> she softened. Yeah. yeah it's re it's really sweet, which I'll tell you, Karen feel feels weird as a woman in the business and coaching world. Mm -hmm. Like I've been accused of being too soft and your clients need you to kick your ass. And I'm just like, I am seeing that us overachievers, we actually need soft grounded. We're going to go do the thing, no matter what we don't yeah. need an ass kicking. That's the whole, that's the whole problem. We had our ass kicked. Stop that crying bullshit, right? Suck it up, get it done. That's what we do. And and we need that space. I mean, sometimes, and I've done this in person, but like, I remember doing this at one of Rich's events a long time ago, there was a girl, everybody was coaching or coaching her and just something said, could you, would you come here? I want to invite you and you can say, no, I want to invite you to sit on my lap and let me just hold you like a mama. She was young, mm. really strong, amazing woman. And she just melted in my lap and I just mm. rocked her like you would a four-year-old. Yeah. And I just realized like in the coaching world, we got to, there's a time and a place for kicking butt, but there's also a time and a place for slowing down and softening. Yes. Yes. I remember, I remember at the beginning of my coaching journey, I decided that I had the persona of like major ass kicker with lots mm -hmm. of 
you know, badass energy and yeah. right. And like powerful coaching. And yeah. I'm going to be the person who tells you the, sh you know, I'm going to tell you the things that no one else will tell you in a way mm -hmm. that's going to wake your shit up. Yep. Been there. <laughs> right. And, and it works until it doesn't It work. Exactly. It works until it doesn't. And my God, how, how joyful, how easy, how graceful to just show up as me. Mm -hmm. Right. And by the way, that is my own personal journey of, I came from, I'm going to kick your ass. Yep. You're going to, yep. you know, you're going to achieve, right. That's the story I told myself to getting to, oh, wait, love, surrender, softness, compassion, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sometimes forgiveness, <laughs> not always. That's really who I am. I came from, like, my parents were present, mm -hmm. really present, but they weren't emotionally present. Mm -hmm. They were like emotionally disconnected, but I didn't know that. I, right. I didn't see it now. They were loving. They were very loving. So mm -hmm. they weren't cold but they didn't know how to feel their own feelings right. and they were overwhelmed. And so I, I see now the living in your head, like, mm -hmm. and there's the presence, you know, when I move into my body a lot, sometimes just with my body, but also like, okay, let's actually connect when I, so the qualities of self are calmness, curiosity, compassion, mm. connected, confidence, creativity, courage, and clarity. And when I meet those parts with that, I actually meet myself, Karen. Yes, yes. That's what I've been calling it. Like that's one section. So my book is, um, <laughs> I got so excited because everybody says, be you, be you. Mm -hmm. I used to be kind of famous for being so authentic. And I think it was just because I didn't have a filter. And once I left corporate world and then I took all my clothes off on Rich's stage, yeah. everybody's like, oh, she's so authentic. And I was at the time, but I still was depressing down certain parts. And so they say, be yourself. And I was like, well, how do we actually do that? What does mm -hmm. that mean? We don't know ourselves. And as I began this journey of self-trust, like it took me 12 years as a successful over six figure coach to really trust that my business was viable. Mm. Right. And I just, I remember the moment I was like, oh, this, like this actually works. And it had been working for 12 years. Hmm. It's not a fluke. So to be yourself, you have to trust yourself. But how do you trust yourself? Like, right. oh, that's real easy to say. You actually have to meet the parts of you that world and media and culture and even a lot of positive psychology says is negative emotion. Mm -hmm. Not negative. Right. There are no negative emotions. Oh, some girl on my Instagram yesterday, she was like, what about narcissistic people? And I was like, honey, I get it. Yeah. That's behavior, right? There's totally negative behavior. Like we can behave poorly, but no emotion is negative. And I'll tell you what's fascinating. I know this is a tiny little rabbit trail and I won't go deep down it, but your listeners, Richard Swartz is working with schizophrenic people, mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, it's, um, there's a different language term for it. Now he's working with murderers mm. in prison, like the deepest, like truly people that have had seriously poor behaviors mm -hmm. and IFS heals oh. that shit wow. and they change. Right. Oh. Because I mean, it makes so, it just makes log logical sense to mm -hmm. me. And so he's done and studied this work with 
people that really have diagnosable stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing about IFS. Nothing is pathologized. I see. Yeah. It's not a problem. Right. It's, It's not a problem. And that attitude, right? That's just a we can have all the same conditions. And when we see it as a problem, it creates more burdening. And so the process of IFS is about unburdening these exiles. And I didn't get why my coach called herself the unburdened leadership podcast mm. or, you know, unburdened leader. And it's true, right? Like that little six-year-old that shows up on a business call because somebody's canceling a contract or, you know, normal stuff that happens in every business that little six-year-old inside of me is carrying Mm -hmm. the burden. And so it's, I'm meeting all of myself. And the more I meet myself and trust my, no doubt's not going away. Comparison's not going away, but the more I know them, I trust them and they trust me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's it's an actual relationship. So I'm Mm -hmm. not coaching them. I'm not above them. I'm like Pooh and Piglet. <laughs> right. You're being, sitting next to them. I mean, Pooh and Piglet is just so sweet from yeah. my childhood. And there's my book coach gave me the house on Pooh Corner and mm. I didn't get it when she gave it to me. And I mm. get it now. Love it. Because the way Pooh and Piglet talk to themselves and talk to Christopher Robin is an internal kindness that you know, we don't really see a whole lot in the world mm-hmm. anymore. And so yeah. everybody's like, yeah, be kind. Well, what does that mean? Right. You've got to be kind in yourself, especially, and I don't want to call it shadow, Karen. I don't yeah. want to call it dark. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything that makes it wrong. Right. And so I tell my clients and I do myself, don't just put your joy on your altar, put your fear on your altar, mm. put your rejection, mm-hmm. your, your, you know, for me, my, my deepest fear of being insignificant and put it on the altar and listen. Hmm. Met, you know, everybody says what you focus on expands. Well, what you ignore fucking expands and blows up and causes problems in your body. And in oh, your hell life. yes. <laughs> so put your hard shit on your altar and hmm. listen. Hmm. I love that. I almost want to say worship. I mean, that, that hits another part of me mm-hmm. that's been traumatized by religion, but you know, if, if we fall in love with a new lover, we hang on their every word mm-hmm. and we can listen to fear and doubt and deep pain of insignificant without believing it. It just needs to be witnessed. Right. Yeah. That's really, really beautiful. And so, so helpful. I imagine, you know, I'm, I created this podcast for me. I know that there yeah. are listeners, right? So as I'm hearing this, I hear an invitation for me for even deeper surrender, right? Mm -hmm. Because I am regularly fighting the parts of myself. That's part of my, that's part of the work I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. Regularly fighting with a story of damage and shittiness and filth. And Mm -hmm. as I go deeper, I see that those thoughts, those ways of being, those what I even call personalities, are all, all part of who I am. And there's such wisdom there. Yeah. So beautiful. 
that what I like about IFS too, is like, we're not trying to get rid of them. Some of them are doing this burden job of protecting, right? So even when you're fighting with yourself, you're like, oh, I shouldn't be this, or I still feel mm -hmm. this, that part is protecting something. Right. And it's working really hard. So it's actually consuming energy in your being. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And they've been doing it for years. And one of the questions is like, what would you be doing if you didn't have to work so hard? And they're like, I, I have to work hard. A lot of, <laughs> of them are like, I ain't fucking going anywhere, bitch. Right. We are going to get hurt. We will die. I mean, some of the, I'm, oh, I got chills down my whole body. Mm. I have an Enneagram three client that. Well, and tell us what that is. Oh yeah. Sorry. I'm, and I'm not a super expert on Enneagram. I know you have a podcast so we can connect with that, but Enneagram yeah. threes are real performers. Excellence. They do everything mm. with excellence. And I have this client that does do everything with excellence. And we were talking one day and she was like, if I listen to my fear, that's rewarding bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And then we got a little bit deeper in one of the phrases. She, I was like, what if you didn't have to be perfect? She's like, well, I could rest, mm. but why, why, why live if it's not perfect? And this is like a super professional, successful woman, mm. top of her field, but the inner voices say, why live if it's not perfect? Wow. Right. And that's how, right. These points. And so we shove them down and we shove them down and she's having some extreme physical responses that you don't realize are connected to these emotions. I'm not a doctor, mm -hmm. but like when we start asking questions and I get curious and I'm, I'm really facilitating her, her to be curious because my clients don't know how to be curious with mm -hmm. these parts. They only know how to shove them in the closet, push them down. And so, and no one's taught us, right? right. Karen, like here right. we are in middle age learning it. And I think it's the greatest fucking thing ever. I, I want people with kids. Can you, I mean, can you imagine coming home from school and, and instead of saying, Susie is such a jerk, your parents said, tell me how your body feels. Mm, what does your okay. body want me to know? And even in the simplest ways and it, it really does. That word unburden is so good. Yeah. So I want to tell you one quick little story, like a real life example of what this work has done in my life. Okay. I'm on my second marriage. We've been together for 15 years, living in the same house for 15 years and married for 13 or something like that. And I love my husband. I call him like Oscar the grouch. He's got a really soft, genuine heart, but he's a really crunchy fucker on the outside. <laughs> And part of me, when I met him like that, because he didn't let me bowl over him and he wasn't impressed with like mm. me as a businesswoman. And, um, he's also a teacher. And so there was a, you know, financial difference. Like he wasn't intimidated by mm -hmm. me being a successful businesswoman. And so there's all these really great matches. However, he's a griper and I'm a words of affirmation girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so it took me seven years not to take his gritching personally. It took me seven years. Okay. And so we've had like one of our biggest fights is like your tone of voice is, you know, and I just, there's a neediness when I fight back with him mm -hmm. and I've been wanting a pool. My husband does not want a pool. Mm -hmm. And he kind of said, I realize you're going to do long story short, I'm getting the pool. I didn't really ramrod him. I, I handled all of his objections. I'm paying for it, whatever. But I, I realized my big thing, like, why don't I have a pool already is because I didn't want to disappoint my husband because I'm afraid he would leave. Mm -hmm. So I never pushed over a certain limit. 
Hmm. Which means I never totally stood up tall yeah. and straight as me. Right. And so the other day, a week ago, I contracted on the pool. And then a few days later, and he's still just kind of joking, like, I'm not ever going to get in it. He's kind of, <laughs> we kind of have a joke about it now. But we come home, we, we leave to go get a shake or something. And we come home and one of our dogs is out and we have three dogs and one of them, we have to lock in a crate because he gets out he destroys things and eats things. And obviously that can be a financial problem mm -hmm. and the dog's in the hospital and he is pissed and he doesn't normally get like, we don't have a lot of fights anymore. We did for the first seven years and he is pissed and he's like, you did this and you, I don't want to make him sound bad, but he just like went off on me and something very calmly, like my spine stood up and I put my hand out. I didn't feel physically threatened. I just said, you may not speak to me that way. Mm. I said, if you had talked to me that way, I understand you're mad. I understand you're scared and that you're frustrated. And you're right. I forgot I was drinking fucking wine and mm -hmm. we were in a hurry out the door and I didn't lock the crate ADD. Mm -hmm. And that's not an excuse, but you're right. I screwed up. I said, I feel bad enough. I don't need you talking to me that way. I said, if you had spoken to me that way in the first month of dating, I would never have given you a second chance. <laughs> and I am really kind to you when shit happens mm -hmm. and I won't, I won't tolerate it. And he kind of barked back because he's not used to me. You know, he's used to me kind of going in the power struggle. And I just like the energy of my spine was so calm and clear and kind, like Brene Brown says, mm -hmm. because I was, and I, I looked back later and I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't, I actually stood up. And then he, then he came like five minutes later, he came and sat down next to me and said, you're right. I was wrong. I should mm -hmm. never speak to you that way. And he was really, it like, it called forth his genuine loving masculine for me to not pretzel myself right when I wasn't afraid of his disappointment I'm like dude we've been together 15 years and our relationship just went to a whole new place because that sweet little part of me in that moment she said would you please tell him instead of mm. cowering in the closet that little part said could you please tell him it's not okay I love that yeah wow I imagine uh, I mean, I'm looking at me and imagining those in this community to hear that sweet little voice is not only jarring, right? Mm -hmm. It's jarring out of the, the stories that we tell ourselves of unworthiness, mm -hmm. right? And there's a, there's a shift there that that little person is tender and hurt and mm -hmm. such a wise, wise voice mm -hmm. in, in, in who we are. Yeah. Yeah. They'll tell us who we need, right? you know, in, in contrast, and I said, we haven't, we, we don't really fight for the last seven years. What started is we had an argument probably about the same fucking thing, either that or my high heel shoes on the floor coming out after work and just <laughs> taking all my clothes off. And it was like, it was one of those, you know, how married couples, we just fight about the same thing for 20 years. Right. And there was a moment, I'll admit, this is really embarrassing, but this was how trauma showed up that I didn't realize it was trauma. And we're getting in a fight and I just get more pissed and more and he's calm and quiet. And I get volatile. Like I mm. grew up in a volatile verbal abusive household and mm. I pick up one of our wedding presents, which is this giant heavy candle full of rocks 
and I like aim it at him. And then I turn to throw it at the wall, thinking it's going to explode mm. the, on the wall. It didn't explode. It goes right through the fucking wall, <laughs> the outside of the house. And he was like, uh-uh. And he called my best friend is like, that's abuse. And so like, I realized I had hit my mm. danger point. And so the next time we had an argument, I remember feeling that sensation come up in my body. And I said, I need a minute. And he was like, you can't leave this fight. And I was like, no, I just, I'm coming right back. I'm, but I'm about to get to that boiling point. And I stepped back into the bathroom and I sat down and I said, what am I afraid of? And it was mm. the first time Karen I had ever asked instead of what am I pissed off at? Mm. I asked, what am I afraid of? What a beautiful question. I didn't, I didn't have that language. And so mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm afraid of being left. My first husband left on a random Wednesday. It's a whole nother story. Mm. Married the nice guy and the nice guy still left. Mm. And um, so I was like, I'm afraid of being unchosen. Mm. And then I said, what might he be afraid of? I don't know for sure, but if he's afraid, if we're both acting in fear. I was like, oh, he might be afraid he's left too. Because he was, he was left also. And so I walked out and I said, I'm sorry. I just get so angry. And what it covers up is that I'm terrified you'll mm. leave me. And he, his shoulders just dropped and he goes, babe, we're married. I'm never leaving you. Mm. Like it was the most natural thing in the world. But like, I can look back now and see these three distinct ways of being with each other in right. an argument. And one was totally a trauma response. The second one was a trauma response, slightly soothed. And I was mm -hmm. curious. And now that trauma response is, I'm not saying it couldn't come up again, but I, she was like, all right, self, do your thing. Stand up with confidence, right? Yeah. Like, so self isn't just sweet. It's, it has courage and confidence. Right. It can be fierce, right? So it's not just you know, like I use the example from my Christian days, I'm not anymore, but like Jesus fucking overturned the tables at the mm. church and he was supposedly without sin. And so anger is not unholy mm -hmm. and there's a courage and a boundary when you got to be fierce, you got to be fierce. Right. Right. It's funny. I didn't know I was going to talk about those three things. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the trauma hiders club. <laughs> I want to use, I want to use real examples like yeah. that is talk about no bullshit. Here's the thing. I'm a leader mm -hmm. and I am trying to be, no, I'm not trying. I am the fucking leader I needed because when I was a, a real estate coach, coaching other coaches in real estate, we were called productivity coaches. And I remember sharing something about being depressed and having anxiety. And my boss looked at me and was like, I would never share that. Mm. But I had a hundred other coaches from our giant company coming and saying me too, me too. And I was like, there's something going on where these amazing people who are helping other people, but they still have got some serious shit inside. Yeah. Right. And that was 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I made the connection now. I was like, you know, my leaders at that time looked perfect on stage and would never share stuff like that on a podcast, but mm -hmm. we're all fucking human beings, Karen. Right. And I'm so goddamn tired of people pretending they don't have their shit. Right. And so but, you know, I still have people like, I can't believe you did that. I need a coach who's confident. I was like, well, good fucking luck with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> because we're all confident and deeply insecure. And that's, you know, four or five years ago, I started going into both and and woman mm -hmm. of range. And, and now I've realized like, this is humanity. Yes. And so I want to bring, if you need my perfection, 
I ain't your gal. Nope. Like I feel real, really weird on LinkedIn. Yeah. I feel I like, I like, I think maybe I need to leave LinkedIn. I think I might be too much for LinkedIn. I, I did um, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, I've worked with corporate people before, but I just need to be unfiltered. I need to be all of me and my clients, you know, I still get insecure about it because I have other colleagues and friends that are so fucking put together and everything's so beautiful. And it, you know, they don't ever talk about who they're coaching with and they don't ever talk about their problems. And I just try to tell my clients, like we do a behind the scenes every month and here's the things that went well and here's how I'm struggling and here's how I'm meeting my struggles. Right. Right. And sometimes it's me with me and that's like, oh, I talked about this with my therapist and I just want to be real so that other leaders aren't carrying the burdens of this secret shame of, you know, now what we know is trauma and then right. bringing trauma into the mainstream is it's so needed. Right. That's why we're here. Right. Yeah, exactly. We need to normalize it. Yes. Yes. Not only that, the, I mean that, yes, that is the mission is to normalize the conversation around trauma. And that came from not only my own healing journey, but it mm -hmm. also came from an observation that I made in only 100% of my clients mm -hmm. <laughs> who mm -hmm. were bringing, you know, I was like, huh, I hear a, I hear from you that there is mm -hmm. a significant moment or significant moments in your life and stories that came from those moments mm -hmm. that are the very thing that are holding you back. Right. I don't know that I could have seen that if I didn't have my own stories of shame and unworthiness and unlove, un, being unlovable. Right. So I thought, and by the way, vast majority of my clients, high level, successful, high achieving, yep. magnificent humans. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and, and so many had, you know, in the, what would you like to create? Oh, I'd like to be more confident. I'd like to have greater executive presence, mm -hmm. which I never fucking got anyway. I don't really know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> right. And bigger than that, right. I, I want to make a dent in the universe. And the very thing that held them back was these significant events where they decided they're not worthy of the things that they want. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's right. That's why we're here. Well, it's that. And then as you talk, I have this image in my head. I'm a very visual person. I actually use painting to do this with my clients a lot now too, because painting, painting brings everybody's shit up, mm -hmm. especially high performers. But as you talk, like there's that significant moment and each time it gets triggered. Yeah or tapped, you know, it's there. I call them tender They're I'm trying not to use the language triggered, mm -hmm. but they're tender. And so each time they get inflamed, I love Matt Kahn as yeah. a spiritual teacher, because he's so acknowledged, he does not bypass this stuff and right. he calls it inflamed nervous system. So right. Like these inflamed points and each time it's like a blanket is over it. And so not only is there that point and the point is the really significant one, but there's so many layers of thick, heavy, wet blankets on mm -hmm. top that the slower we go, the faster it works. Exactly. Yes. And, and, you know, in the high performance world, we want it and we want it now. Baruch assault bitches. I want right. it now. <laughs> I want a new blooper now, daddy. <laughs> yeah. And we can, 
make this, we can make so many things happen. Like you and I probably both could send out a text and make like $50,000 right. and create a new program. <laughs> and so it's like, nope, I want to go in. I recognize that moment. This is what my daddy did to me. This is what my mom did. Yeah. He's screaming at the door. Daddy, don't leave. Daddy, don't leave. Daddy, don't leave. Oh, now I know what it is. Let's fix it. Oh, right. sweetheart. We have a few blankets to get through. Yes. I hear you. Right. Yes. And being okay with that. We want it fast. And sometimes it is fast. And sometimes it's the slower we go, it works quicker. Right. We don't, I don't know. I just, I love when we were, you know, but kicking coaches, but that, that stole the autonomy of these parts. These parts just need a little space Mm -hmm. and it, and it works. It worked right. like I stood up. I don't want to say I stood up to my husband because he's not abusive or mean. It just, it was like, you know, we all bend in places where we don't really want to bend because we don't want to be rejected. And mm-hmm. I'm not bent. I'm like, who is this woman that is just grounded in who she is and asked for what she, you know, that's how I got on this podcast. Mm-hmm. This was a trauma healing exercise for me to say, because I want to be chosen. And it's been like six years since anybody said, come be on my podcast. So part of me is like, something is wrong with me. So I said, I would like to be on somebody's podcast. Here's the topics I could talk about. And you responded. I did. And that wasn't comfortable for me because (laughs) I'm used to, I'm used to just, you know, oh, I want to be on podcast. So I'll create one. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that part of you Ask for what she wants. Well, she's learning to, she's learning to stand up. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, obviously the leader parts of me stand up, but the, the small, sweet, young parts are learning to stand up and yeah. it's, it's healing shit. It's making a difference out in the world. And I'm getting a fucking pool. Like, and you're getting a fucking <laughs> pool. I was about to ask you what you're most excited about in your world. And I, I hear the pool. The pool, the pool is one of those things. And my husband doesn't get it because he's not a water baby. And he goes, mm-hmm. what do you mean a water baby? And I said, exactly. You don't get it. Like yeah. I, I just, I thrive. Some people thrive in nature. Some people thrive in travel. I thrive floating in a pool. Me too. I'm right there with you. Yeah. I just, so we moved out by the lake and he's like, we have the lake. And I'm like, yeah, but sometimes the lake is down and it's not safe for me to swim in the lake by myself. I want the fucking pool. I'll pay for it, all this other stuff. So I'm excited about the pool personally. Like, I feel like that honestly completes my great. Like we moved out to the country. We live by the lake. We have mm-hmm. a very nice house, but it's, it's so easy to pay for. Like it's mm-hmm. not super expensive. There's not burdens in, it's very simple, but also luxurious life. Mm-hmm. Some people would be like, it's not enough for me, but it's so enough. So that feels good. Bill and I are at a really good place. What I'm really excited about is, I mean, from the moment I started doing this work with my therapist and coach, I brought it to my coaching clients and I told them Mm -hmm. I'm brand new at this, but a lot of them are studying it and we're practicing it and I'm taking classes. I haven't been able to enroll in the certification. And so part of me is like, Oh, there's something wrong. Like I haven't wanted a certification in forever, mm-hmm. but I am doing my due diligence in both formal trainings with my coach therapist, with myself. Like I am so excited to bring this to the coaching world. Nice. And I will say in some of the IFS classes that are like on coaching, then they're like these little sub things. Cause most of it is therapy based. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, no, I gotta be with a therapist. Hmm. I, Allison know where my line is. Like when I need to refer somebody and I'm not working with people that are coming to me to 
solve eating disorders or DID or alcoholism. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like you, I'm working with leaders and their trauma is showing up. And so I feel very, I I don't feel like I'm out of my realm of skill. Mm -hmm. Um, and this isn't relatively new. It's just wider and deeper than what I've already been doing. And so I realized as I watched these coaches teach this class and I was like, boy, this is really dry. Mm. And and maybe that's what they need. And, you know, I don't work in corporations. I say fuck way too much to be mm-hmm. hired by corporations. <laughs> and um, I don't wear dresses or anything like that. So, or pantyhose, that's a whole nother fucking joke. Right. We could do a show on pantyhose. Talk about oh trauma. Yeah. Oh, seriously. Like I can right. feel it in my body just when we talk about it. Yeah. Um. So I'm just really excited to work with people. And I'm so, I'm so excited about my clients that are responding and they're mm. like, can we do some parts work on this? And like, even that Enneagram three, like she has a hardcore business coach and she paid in full and was just like, I'm ready. <laughs> she did it very three style, but she's like, I'm going in deep three style. And I just, I see potential for healing where yeah. the coaching industry has done harm by saying, yes. fuck your fears. And by saying, just do it. And yeah, so I'm both excited and I've got parts of me that are scared I'm going to do it wrong hmm. or that I'm going to get criticized by the therapist hmm. and my, ther- my therapist coach goes, she will. <laughs> and I was like, yes, thank you. That's true. <laughs> like I will. Yeah. And that's okay. I-, I am called for this deep inner work with business people, especially business women. I work with a couple of men, but especially business women, I am called to not bypass the symptoms and we're going to the root baby. And I'm going to teach you how to do it for yourself too. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I'm really excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. What's been most helpful for you today being in the Trauma Hiders Club? I liked when that first question, like, what am I hiding? Mm -hmm. And this is so apropos because we're subconsciously, our brain is trying to control the outside world. And so my my first thought went to the outside world, but your question helped me realize it's never an outside job. It's mm-hmm. like, what am I hiding from inside? Yes. Where am I hiding from myself? Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what's so beautiful about that is that's the one thing I have control over. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I have in exhaustible power is to meet myself. Yes. And so I can meet my own fear of that. So that's what was helpful. Beautiful. I love it. Allison, I love you. I appreciate who you are, the work that you're doing, shining a light in the world. And I wish you only beautiful moments and opportunities mm. for your four-year-old, your 10-year-old, your 30-year-old, your mm-hmm. 40-year-old to show up and ask for what she wants. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.